guys, what's up? This is Gabriel Machidate and welcome to show number 12, numero 12, here today at Startup Founders. And today is happy birthday to Startup Founders. We have been one month since we launched on iTunes and what a way to celebrate with a freaking rock star. Today, I have one of the top female app entrepreneurs in Australia, the only, the great, the amazing Christy Lady Lawrence. And it was awesome to have Christy on this show because I know Christy from a long time when she was working on her award-winning app, Plan. Now, if you don't know what Plan is, I don't know where you have been because Plan is the easiest way for you to manage and organize your Instagram posts. And Christy is going to talk about the stress, the challenges, and all the things that she learned building Plan to become uh, I can say a seven-figure business. Now, it's amazing because in this podcast, we share her path because I met her during that path, and it's so awesome to see her right now crushing. This is a great interview for anyone thinking about building an app, anyone that is struggling, anyone that needs inspiration, but also reality check about the challenges that you need to actually consider when you're going to build a mobile app. Now, plan right now is super successful, but at the same time, Chris is going to show you the personal struggles that she went through during this whole process with plan, the Instagram management kick-ass app that it is. So I'm excited to be today in show number 12 here with the only Christy Lady Lawrence, director, founder of plan here at Startup Founders. Enjoy. Okay, Chrissy, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited. We know each other for a while, but I always ask guests of the show to tell the audience who they are. Um, so, Christy, tell us, I mean, who you are and what's your startup? Hey, Gab. So, so nice to, to be on your show. Um, so, I am the founder of Plan, and Plan is an Instagram scheduling analytics and strategy tool uh, that teaches people how to make money uh, for business using Instagram. So I've been doing it for about two and a half years now, and I've grown the team to 35 people in nine countries, and we have over a million downloads. And yeah, things are, things are looking good. That's awesome. And, and you are that case scenario that people actually see your story and they go, I want to be like you. <laughs> right? Yeah, it does happen sometimes. Yeah, you're like it's the hero of the movie. Life. You're like, if she can do it, anyone can do it. But, but I, I also to- say that too. I also tell people, if I can do it, you can too. That's awesome. But let's talk a little bit about before that, because you are a non-technical person, right? Agreed. But I'm a product-focused person, so I'm going to always lead with that. Okay, so th- tell people that are out there what's the difference between being a product-based I mean, based person and a non-technical person at the same time. So what it means is that I never learned how to code. I didn't know what a developer did. Well, I knew that they coded, but... I thought one developer did all of the developy things. I didn't realize that they all had different special specialties and, um, you know, different languages that they coded in. So I can't actually code myself. So I'm someone that designed the product. So I draw it up and I sketched it and I knew what I wanted it to do and how I wanted it to work and look. Um, so I'm very strong in my detail of that, but can I code? No. Okay. And, Clearly, I mean, the, the whole concept of, I mean, how do we start an app is, <laughs> is overwhelming. <laughs> we know each other from that. I mean, from the beginning, when you're building this idea, how do you come mm-hmm. up with the idea of launching this app? 
So what happened is I, um, I was working in advertising and corporate advertising and I was illustrating and drawing and putting my work on Instagram and I was, you know, starting to make a bit of money um, on, on the side of my job. And then I actually got quite sick. So I actually um, got the flu and it went into my brain and it destroyed my entire vestibular function of my brain. So it left me unable to walk, uh, see clearly. I was dizzy and basically drunk for about two years. But at the time, um, the doctors told me that I was never going to recover. And I was having brain scans and a lot of medication that was quite scary. And my husband was having to look after me a lot of the time. So what I ended up doing was taking some time off work and then continuing to draw and put my work on Instagram. And then it started to take off. And what would happen is that people would message me and be like, what are you doing? And it meant, for me, it made sense. My background of marketing and then my illustration work, it made sense that Instagram was all about how your grid looks and all about how the styling and your branding and your messaging all work together. But I couldn't teach people that because they couldn't, you know, back in the day, it was $300 an hour to consult with me because I just, I needed to make up my lost revenue from not working. So I was like, okay, how about I just build an app and I can scale this idea? And that's what happened. Wow. And, I, and I love the fact that, I mean, we always say, let's build an app for that. It must be an <laughs> app for that. But then we, we face the mega challenges of how the hell we build an app for people that are not familiar to build an app like, like yours. You're going to need someone that does, I mean, Android, someone that does, I mean, iOS, someone that does the mm. UI, the backend. Give us the back, I mean, the, the little I mean, story of how difficult it is to build an app. Oh gosh. So I had no idea. You know how everyone goes, Oh, I've got an app idea. <laughs> oh, I was that person, but I was like, well, you know what, this is a good idea and it's probably going to get built. So why can't it be me? So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. So what I ended up doing was I sketched it all up and I drew it all out and I went on Upwork, but I'd, I'd already know that at this point in my career that you can't hide your ideas. So you have to be able to talk about them. So you can't, you know, be too scared about telling people what you do or, or or what your app idea is. A lot of people get scared there. So that's number one. And then I went on to Upwork and I just sent out my designs and my idea to anyone that would listen and be like, can you quote this up and let me know what you think this, much, this would take to, blah, 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 <laughs> this would cost to build. And then what would happen is they would send me back and say, hey, Christy, it's actually missing X, Y, and Z. So I was oh, wow, able, that's awesome. Then, okay. Yeah. So that's how I would iterate. So they'd all send me different pieces of feedback. And within a couple of months, I had a full scope of work for a developer. That's so awesome. Upwork did the job for you. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So that's what they did. And then I realized it was going to cost me about $100,000 to build for both languages. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have $100,000 and I can barely move. I'm at home. And I'd started to feel a little bit better. So I actually hustled my way around Sydney and said, to a few web and app agencies, hey, if you guys build my app, I'll work for free and I'll do your marketing and your client's marketing. Wow. And then after 10 months, I had my MVP. And then the reason I know Gab is because at the end of that 10 months when I had my app, I had 10,000 downloads and 1,000 paying customers in my first week. And I was like, oh my God. And there are bugs everywhere and I'm trying to keep up with customer support. And they said, look, Christy, we actually can't manage your app anymore because you're technically not a paying customer, right? we just were going to build it for you. We can't support it. So I'm at this point. You have to move on. <laughs> I have to move. I'm like, oh my God, this is not what I was expecting. So here I am like devastated having to work overtime because I'm now, <laughs> I've got this app with people on it and no way to, to fix it. So I'm just like smashing my network trying to find anyone. And I came across Gab who said, I know someone 
And now then I had my app rebuilt and relaunched under the guise of an update three months later. And here we are. Yeah, fascinating. And, and it's interesting because the, the pain that you were going through of going through a normal, I mean, process, like a normal, I mean, like a normal agency and then finding, I mean, a team is actually something that I never experienced because I always went directly in kind of like a guerrilla mentality of outsourcing and building a fast mm. solution. Tell me what was the, I mean, the struggles, because it wasn't easy. And I, and I know that we had no. a few conversations where you go, oh my God, what am I doing? How <laughs> difficult, <laughs> I know, um, I, I still deal with that kind of things every single day, but it's like, how difficult was to, okay, I'm going to, I mean, rebuild this and, and fix all these issues because you had a lot of, I mean, tech challenges building this, right? I did because it was just me and I had no technical co-founder and no one to tell me what I was doing was wrong. And a team that kind of worked, the agency people had just been working on it at night because I wasn't technically a paying customer. So they weren't really teaching me what they were building or how they were. They weren't coming to me and saying, this is a challenge we're facing and here are the different ways we could solve it. What do you think? Because I probably wouldn't have known anyway, right? But then what I had to do was quickly learn (laughs) what all of that meant because I didn't like being a control freak, which I am, and not knowing what 90% of my business did or how it acted. So my next team, the new team, then taught me their decision-making, why they were doing certain things and took me on the journey. So they taught me as I went and now I'm actually at a point where I can almost consult to other startup founders about that journey. So it's been a huge eye-opener and a lot of hard work. It's so difficult to build a trust when you technically allowed you start, I mean, allowed your tech team, your outsourcers to lead you, right? Because you're always defensive and you're always thinking, oh my God, how much is it going to cost? How long <laughs> is it going to take? Are mm-hmm. we going the right path? And I'm, are they taking the piece or not, right? It's very yeah. difficult when you don't, you can't understand you don't it all or not. So you definitely, you put in different roadblocks to make sure that you are covered. And again, it takes trust. So there was a point where I had Time Doctor, which I was watching their hours. And after the month, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want them to feel like... It becomes a bit paranoid, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then I like, I want them to feel like I trust them so they can get the work done they need. So the way that I, the solution that I found was when they'd put their work into Bitbucket, I actually paid a third party to go through and read their code to make sure that they were doing the right things and that they were uploading the code correctly. And that was all the, the commentary was all there. So um, had that happen and then my brother who works in tech would check over it and then I had a few mentors that would jump in and just check things were working as they should and give me some help and guidance so everything was kind of I had people around me like a little team that I could reach out to which I appreciate to no end um, but I still made heaps of mistakes like heaps of mistakes absolutely and it's, it's, it's so complex uh, especially when when they overwhelm you with the amount of data i mean something is not working but it's with ios and in android and it's very difficult I mean, to prioritize mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about i mean the whole idea of the of, of the app because your app is is unique you have competition but your branding and your marketing and the storytelling mm-hmm. behind this yeah. is unique right that is yes. what what I mean, when you crush it. So let's talk about your audience and who uses your app um, and how do you storytell, I mean, the, the app itself? Yeah, sure. So what, what happens is that 
plan was originally designed for people like me. So they were creative entrepreneurs who didn't really know how to market themselves online. And I thought I knew they were super passionate and they wanted their own financial freedom. So I started with that target audience. And then what happened over a year is I rolled through all the different niches. So for example, I went from fashion to interior design through, um, you know, online coaches. And then it just started to kind of take off with photographers. And I started to realize where that real product market fit was. And then I designed more features around those use cases. And then it just kind of exploded from there. So event at the beginning, I was more B2C, which is business to consumers. So your everyday like Etsy sellers or uh, your social media manager with one or two accounts. And then as we grew, I realized that people were going to churn from the company if we didn't grow with them. So I spent 18 months because we're still bootstrapped, 18 months building my web platform, which launched a couple of weeks ago. And now we're moving away from B2C into B2B to support the growth of the bigger businesses. I love it. It's, it's actually a pretty big move when you stop huge being just move. an app company, right? I mean, yeah, it's huge. It's been massive. So all of our comms have to change. So instead of being an Instagram app, we're now an Instagram suite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's all yeah. about the wording and how you position yourself in market. And you're right. Like we have, we do have quite a bit of competition, but we have a really quirky voice. We have a, um, I've put a lot of effort into the touch points of all of our, all of our customers. So as an example, I am still so hands-on that I'm writing the app update notes and you'll never, ever see an update note from plan that says performance updates only. Like that's just, it's not how we operate <laughs> at all. It's every touch point is a piece of marketing. I, I love that. And I love that. I mean, that when people see the app, they see you, right? They know that yeah. you are behind the app. <laughs> I think so. I have tried to remove myself a little bit in the last year because like I was getting like 200 private messages a day and like, I can't, I mean, I'm trying to run a company now with 30 something staff members. So, and we have over a million people. So I can't, I couldn't answer customer support all day. And now I have seven full-time customer support people. So I have had to unfortunately remove myself a lot of being that face only purely because of productivity. Well, how, how much do you think your story, because you have been very vocal about doing this, about, I mean, investing the money, showing that it's not so easy. I mean, the challenges, mm. your story is like, I mean, you're a trooper, 100%. <laughs> Thank you. You're a survivor. So how much do you think that has helped directly with, with the app itself in, in building that audience and that group of fans? I mean, you, you, you are now the app lady in Australia. Oh, it's kind of crazy. But what, what I found was that um, I'm just really honest. And there's a lot of people that would position themselves as a... So think about me as a personal brand. I'm just me. And my personal brand is open, transparency, honesty. Like I literally just helped someone with their ASO an hour ago, which is um, app store optimization. And I'm more than willing to help other people. I'll tell them how shit it is. I'll tell them parts of it that are good. I'll tell them where I had the most problems. And if I have a template for fixing something, I'll just send it to them. So like I am uh, quite hands-on still. Um, but yeah, it's... I think just being real, I don't say it's amazing. I don't say, you know, my life is amazing. And I just, I think I just tell it like it is. And I think that's, I think it's relatable. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think now that the people know you and people know that you are, I mean, making progress, mm. it inspires other people to, I mean, to give it a go, especially when there's no, we're not 
to not take founders, right? Because it's so oh, overwhelming. It's so, good. it's so good. When people reach out to me and be like, I've seen what you've done and I just want to get out. Like, what are your top five things? I'm like, here, this, 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 and this. And I'm so willing to give that information away. But I mean, it comes with massive risks. So I won't lie. There have been, I've taken some huge risks to do this. Okay. Can we actually talk about some of those risks? Yeah, absolutely. Like financial risks. Like I didn't have a salary for a year. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty big, right? I mean, it's that's huge. a big one. Yeah. But then what people don't realize is that when you put an app out into the world, it doesn't make money, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That, they don't yeah. make money. Um, and people are like, what do you mean? It's like, okay, well, Apple take 30%. You've got all your architecture costs. You've got your staffing costs. You've got your analytics stack behind the scenes. You've got all of the things that you need, like marketing, um, you know, the, the services that you need that start racking up quickly that you also not, not only for the first year and plus the cost of building, you then have to be able to support yourself for the year of trying to grow and scale it. And a lot of people don't understand, like that's actually a two year financial risk. And if that doesn't pay off, like my mortgage was in serious trouble. That's crazy, right? Right now I'm working with 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 an app company um, that I, I can't mention, but they were, they didn't make any money for six years. In, in, mm-hmm. Technically, they didn't even activate premium membership for six years. Yeah. And they just did in January. And now they are a $10 million company. I mean, yeah. literally, they activate membership. And now they are actually a $1 million company. Uh, but yeah. it was all about the patience of waiting and mm. holding and building this audience. Talk about- Were they funded, Gab? Were they funded? Um, no, they're not, but they're actually, I mean, they're San Francisco, um, but yeah. the competition is founded. Yes. Um, so maybe, maybe this is something that you might find interesting, but the difference between building an app in Australia and the difference between building an app in San Francisco, right? So, um, I'm actually based in San Francisco right now. And what I do find here is it's kind of max user acquisition. You just, mm-hmm. all, all of the money is get as many users as possible and get funding and get millions of dollars and just grow, 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 grow. And then after five years, then monetize. But with plan and being bootstrapped, I actually had to slow down the growth because my operations couldn't keep up with the growth of the company. You told me once on a, on a conversation on, on the phone, and I think it was one of those conversations where you were like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> that you were already getting offers of investment when you were here in Australia. I mean, yes. um, but you didn't, did you? No, I didn't. So I'm still 100% um, owner and my cap table is 100% me. I've turned down acquisition deals. I've turned down investment offers right now. Can we um, talk about just, that? Why? Yeah, we can. Of course. Um, obviously money. <laughs> okay. Um, there's always going to be an element of uh, having a price that they didn't reach. And I just think that um, for me to have to, and the way, even the way that I said that, I'd have to go and work for someone else. The way that I even said that tells me that I'm not ready yet to give up what I'm building. So one of the things was um, I need a company to grow with me and not take me out of what I'm passionate about and throw me into their passion. Um, I think that was important. And then I don't like the idea of going to sit in the desk from nine to five every day again. Like I, I there was a reason that I left it for me personally. Um, yeah, I just... I just wasn't ready. I was like three months away from launching the web app. We were growing. We're still growing at like viral rates and I'm just not ready. That's awesome. And, and I, I guess it's your baby and it's more married to you because in, in, many, in many situations, I, in my case, I work in app companies. I get clients that they just raised $5 million and they have no, no users, zero users. I know. There's nothing. And I go, okay, <laughs> so you have a lot of money, but yeah. nothing is happening. And that seems to be happening all the time. But in your it case, you, technically, you grow hack this 
I mean, from scratch. How has been the experience going to San Francisco and, and telling your story? And what's the difference between, between your story and when you see other, let's say, female founders in the app industry or other app, app, app founders? Um, it's really hard to find female app founders, to be completely honest. There's wow, not that, okay, that's not, not that good. many of us. I've probably met maybe five or six. Wow. Um, and they, uh, they've either gone through investment or they're like in the very, very early stages of building. So trying to find someone in my position is quite rare. And, and even in San Francisco, being a bootstrap company and being profitable is almost unheard of, which is quite uh, surprising. So mostly I get, oh, this is a tech event you're in the right place. So I mean, Oh still, my God, really? Still, wow. Yeah. So that's still happening. And then when I explain, I'm not the drinks girl or the events girl. Oh, uh, wow. and then have, I'm <laughs> shocked. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny, but I mean, I've got a really thick skin and I give back as much as I take. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm five foot, but you know, I can and hold you're, myself. You're everywhere right now. I mean, you are in articles, you are in the press. I mean, every single time that um, they talk about, I mean, I mean, app founders, I mean, you're there, startup founders. I mean, does that, I mean, does that become viral, like a, like a snowball effect that you're becoming more and more popular without even trying and that's also going to benefit the app? Well, I haven't really done any PR. I did, you know, a couple of articles, um, news.com. Um, I had a girlfriend that works in PR. I was like, you need to get in the news. I'm like, well, I'm not really that interested in personal brand growth. I'm interested in growing my company. So I don't know how news is going to affect my company. And she's like, just do it anyway. So I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how those things are happening. People are really inspired and saying, I need to get your story out there. So that's been really lovely. Um, people like yourself ask me, hey, can you come on a podcast to help mm -hmm. Um, you know, other people that might be struggling like I was, like what what is possible and can you help inspire and teach other people? So um, I was on the Indie Hackers podcast and that, um, that community is amazing and a lot of them don't have marketing help. So to be able to pass on the marketing help and try and get more successful tech companies out there because 97 or something crazy like that percent fail. So if I can help more people like me be successful, then I'm all for it. It's mind-blowing, the, the failure rate. And I, what I love about your story is the insane hustle. I mean, I'm a hustler, but you beat <laughs> me with the idea of you build the app and I'm going to work for you guys for 10 months. Yeah. That, that idea is a little bit mentally unstable and it's amazing at the same time. Thank you. How, how important do you think is to come up with those ideas? Because people will stop on that moment. It's like, oh, it's $100,000. That's it. There's no way I can pull this off. So... I mean, what are the other ways people actually can build something if the resources are very limited? Um, I just, I also think that there's, there's a particular founder gene. And when I look at uh, like friends that are founders and other people that have their own companies, there is that, that element of being obsessed. Like you, have have to to be, you have to be obsessed. Like for example, I have to talk about plan from the moment I wake up, my team starts, I'm awake at 5am from the time I'm awake through, I basically dream about work. I wake up in the middle of the night. I work all day. I work through to about 8 p.m. Um, or, you know, sometimes 11, depending on the time zone. And I literally, I have to live and breathe my product and running a business and Instagram all day. And if you cannot do that, like if you're only in it for the money, you just, you cannot do that. So when I had the idea, I was basically obsessed straight away. I'd always wanted my own product. I'd been in service. I've been doing consulting and marketing forever, but I'd never had a hands-on tangible product, which I always wanted. And I was just holding out for the idea. I'd be, you know, always wanted my own company. So when I actually had the idea, I'm like, oh, I, this is it. Let's go. And it was, I was all in. Wow. And in, in your situation, you obviously are dealing with Instagram and a great friend of mine, Nathan Leo, he had a, a startup where he was 
technically helping people to manage the bookmarks on Kindle and Amazon, okay? Like okay. an Instagram, I mean, like an Instagram management for, for bookmarks. Um, and Amazon technically shut him down eventually. He was mm-hmm. dealing with a third party and Amazon sure. make it extremely difficult. Tell me how are the challenges dealing with a third party? In your case, this is about Instagram and, and, Facebook, I, yeah. and, and Facebook. I must be, extre- is it stressful to deal with a company that you have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> tomorrow? Uh, it is, it is, it can be. You just kind of, I'm used to it. You just take in your stride. I think you have to, especially in tech, when you layer tech and social media on top of each other, you have to really, um, you have to be prepared for anything that when they have bugs, they come through to us. Like for example, someone gets locked out of their Instagram feed, then they try and log into plan. They'll be, they'll blame us. Because oh, of course. So, it yeah, so never crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of that. And then when Instagram goes down or they're having API issues and things like that, or they change the API and they don't tell you. And then when they went through all the security uh, work, we then had to do so much paperwork mm-hmm. to keep our um, status I think like 10 hours of paperwork plus screen recordings and then they ask for more information. Um, you can't, if something goes wrong or they have a bug, you have, there's no one to reach out to other than other developers and say, hey, have you had this problem? So it's, it can be challenging, but to be honest, everyone's facing the same thing. So you kind of band together and just figure it out. Yeah, 100%. But, but on, that, on that note, I am future-proofing. So some people have come to me and said, hey, look, aren't you concerned that your business is on this and I'm like well not really I have like this many people every single day in my product relying on me I just all I have to do is in the next six months I've got my pivot happening to you know really future proof it away from being just an Instagram focused product which I'm really excited about oh wow so we're going to compete as a big boys then hey uh... <laughs> of course okay wow that's that's interesting now you Let's talk about Instagram, I mean, for a little bit. Where do you see the future of Instagram heading? Because I know that they're now super focused on e-commerce. And for mm-hmm. those people that are not embracing Instagram just yet, why should we be putting all our attention on Instagram? Yeah, well, it's the fastest growing organic platform. So if you, for, for social reach, it's the highest, highest social media platform that you get free reach on with hashtags and just being visible and posting regularly and, and put, you know, being there. Instagram's only going to get bigger. Uh, I think it's, they're predicting that there's going to be another 19 million daily active users within the next year or two. That's more and more people. So if you are kind of already a little bit left behind, I definitely recommend jumping in and just having a play and figuring out the platform because it's already ingrained. It's already part like Facebook is. It's already ingrained as part of a daily cycle or daily routine. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to get bigger. And the more, the longer you leave it, the more competition you have. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, it seems to me it's almost like once you learn how to use it, it becomes easier and easier. And even you start, I mean, learning to hack the platform in a way <laughs> that you learn the like hashtags, how to yeah. work, how to follow people, how to engage. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about moving from the app to the desktop part and 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 that process. And if you could go back in time, would you have done it that way from going from app? to desktop or will you have started in desktop? Because it's a completely um, different, I mean, oh, ball game, so right? different, so different. And it's different databases. You've got different developers. You need different server architecture. Like it's completely different. And I can't tell that to the people that use the app. They just don't get it. They don't <laughs> so, care, of course. Right? <laughs> they don't care. So it, okay, our customer support, we got a thousand extra tickets in one day. And then I was like, oh my God. So, I mean, it's always about what fire is burning the most. Um, if I had my time again, I would have done a desktop with an Apple app. I would have scrapped okay. Android completely. 
Had I had oh, my wow. time Wow. Okay. No, Why I is wouldn't. that? Um, so for me personally, it costs money to run Android because Android uh, users don't pay for apps. And they're in mostly th- like the third world countries. They do not pay for apps. Full stop. That's why I would not build Android. It cost me money to run Android. And then with Apple, um, which is where 97% of my revenue came from for a long time, um, I would have just had Apple and then I would have launched with a desktop version. But I mean, that's another cost me almost, I don't even know, maybe $700,000 to build the web app. So I doubt that was, <laughs> doubt that was going to happen from day one. <laughs> so I had to do I will, I will work for you guys for seven years <laughs> and you build my web app. <laughs> exactly. So I, I mean, I can't, I can't say I'd go back in time because I can't regret it because I had to learn it all. Let's talk about the, the revenue, I mean, from apps and what people don't understand. When you were mm. talking about people don't understand, I mean, how, how people make money with apps, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you go to these conferences and people come to you, it's like, I want to build an app. What, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions oh. about this? Um, my first question is, how are you going to monetize it? Because I know how much it costs to run. Like we're talking six figures a month to run the app, right? Easy. Wow. Yep, six figures just to run the app. So I'm like, okay, knowing what I know now, how are you going to monetize this? I'm like, oh, well, I'll just get users. I'm like, okay, so how are you going to get funding to get the users? And where are you going to go to get them? So that's the kind of thing. And then they go, oh, I'll just do what you do. I'll do a SaaS. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But you need the users to pay for it. On like, And I have been very blessed and very lucky that I have a 25% revenue growth month on month and have done for the last two and a half years. And it's consistent. I mean, it's going to flatten off at some point, but I mean, it's funding the build of everything in the team. Um, So when I hear someone say it, like, I know that I'm very lucky with what I have. And then I have people that say, oh, I'll just charge people like $3 a download. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's just think about this for a second. $3 a download, 30% goes to Apple. So you get left with $2 and then you've got to pay tax. Cool. So you're left with what? $2.50. Is that the right? No, wait, less than that. Yeah, less. <laughs> my uh-huh. maths is wrong. A dollar fifty. You're left with a dollar fifty. A dollar fifty. And you've got to pay customer support, your developers, your architecture. Um, how many app downloads is that? And then they're like, oh, okay. And then they start thinking that way. And then the next one is, oh, just make it free, and I'll just sell ads. I'm like, okay. Well, how many daily active users do you need to sell ads to make a hundred dollars a day? Go like, do you know that answer? And they're like, no. How many? I'm like, you need like half a million daily active users to start making money and they just don't believe me i know it's, it's crazy when people don't realize i'm i'm dealing right now with a with a big uh, i mean uh, app company in the u.s in san francisco mm-hmm. and their budget for last year was three hundred thousand dollars in search ads so they oh. were spending and it was a test and, and it blew my <laughs> mind i was like what do wow. you mean this is a test it's like oh yeah this is a test i mean we, we're just exploring this option and i was like okay and and they were telling me it's nothing compared to other companies i mean yeah. in search ads in, in in that niche right in the financial niche yeah so, so some of those really big ones like you know like um what's it candy crush and those so i go to a few app conferences because uh, i learn so much in such a small amount of time and get to meet heaps of people that are in my position yeah. so i just make sure that i get out and network i'm a mess i'm actually a massive introvert so it's actually quite hard for me to do that um but what i have found is these people spend a million dollars a month in ads a hundred percent, yes. A hundred percent. And and people don't see that, right? No. It's a little bit similar to AppSumo when they reveal how much they were spending on Facebook ads and they spend over a million dollars. And we don't see that, right? We think it's just content marketing, hashtags, <laughs> okay, no. sharing posts. 
No. Uh, and obviously it becomes very, very difficult. It's now, a million dollars a month for most of those apps to run, just for their marketing. And it's a very clear ROI. I mean, I mean, mm. when I, I work with, with a casino app and they were telling us if we just get, I mean, 2% increase in downloads, we'll be happy. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean 2%? is like, yeah, well, I mean, it's costing us, okay? But I say $1 million to get what we have. If we get 2%, we'll be super happy. And it's interesting how people that are launching an app, they have absolutely no idea about how they're going to get the traffic. Let's talk about marketing, mm-hmm. I mean, to bring traffic to an app. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in your case, it's not easy because it's educational, right? You need to tell me how to use this. I have to use it. I have to find the value in using it. And I have to keep paying mm-hmm. to use it. Yeah. So what, what I did was um, for me personally, was that I was always a big believer in giving and giving more, making sure people were really educated. So with Instagram, there are people always searching for things. So the thing you have to remember with SEO, which is search engine optimization for those playing at home is that, and that's organic traffic. So someone's searching on Google and then my website coming up. So I'm very lucky. I now get over a million unique users, visitors to my website a month now. And so there, and I know they're all warm leads. And the way that I did it was that you never talk about what you think people want to talk about. You go and find out the trends of what people are searching for and then you talk about that and you mix it between evergreen and and trending and you mix that together with tutorials and that's just my example of how I did it and then you bring in the people that are interested in the rough general life of what you're blogging about and then you ha- your your website has to work freaking hard to convert them. Wow, I love it. I, I love the fact of the trends and and so explain to me if, if so let's let's presume that someone was going to launch an app completely from zero, okay, and mm-hmm. they were going to try to use a strategy by themselves. So do you suggest that if it's a one person, one founder, the whole idea will for them will be start with technically content marketing, blogging? Um, for me, it depends on your target audience. So if you sit down and work out what your audience does and what they're searching for. So I knew that my target audience has quite a bit of social media anxiety. So they're always kind of checking, are they, are they doing the right thing? Are they growing? Are they, you know, what social are they media anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you know your person inside out, the more you know your person, the more money you are going to make. Wow. And you have your audience very well defined. I mean, it seems to me like the avatar of who uses your app. I mean, you know them exactly what, what they have for breakfast, what the music they listen, <laughs> the whole thing, right? Pretty much. I've got three of them now. Yeah. We've got three different avatars depending on if they're app, web app, um, or both. Yeah. Okay. How someone starts building a web app? I mean, right now we're talking about the normal app, conventional app. There's the challenges of iOS, Android, you know, making any money with Android. Mm-hmm. When did you decide, hey, let's build this on a web app? And how oh, did you make that decision? I had that like straight away and I really wanted to do it, but I just kept getting, you know, I, my reviews were going really well in the app store. And then suddenly I started getting negative reviews because I didn't have a web app. I'm like, hang on a minute. Can you just rate the app? <laughs> don't ruin my app store rating just because I don't have a web app. Um, and I just started asking more people, um, would they use it? And then I saw the growth of buffer, um, have a very transparent business where they put all of their financials online. So I'm it's crazy, to, right? Yeah. It's, it's lovely. Ma- yeah. Perfect. It's perfect for someone like me to go on and I'm looking at the growth and their <laughs> to compete team. against you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Like it just gives me insight of where I need to go. Um, if I want to follow in their footsteps and learn from some mistakes or make different decisions, but I have kind of a, kind of roadmap of what they did. Um, not saying that I'd copy that. I mean, I, I'm very creative and I'd like to do my own things. Um, but I knew that with 
there's, there's so many millions of people on Instagram every day. There was, and I have an abundance mindset. There was room for me and there wasn't actually a product. I scoped out my competitor landscape and put a box of like, okay, so here's this, this, and this, and here's where I'd sit. And then this price range and this branding. And there was no one in that category. So I decided to go for it. Okay. So the, you, you come up with the idea. I'm going to be doing it. Why is, what are the challenges? I mean, from a technical point of view of, of building a web app compared to um, a normal mobile app? Oh my God, a web app was so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) It was so much easier to build a web app than the app. Like seriously, so much easier. Um, I think it was just working out who the new developers were because it's a different team. So you've got different skill sets. So then understanding the lines between the back end, the front end and the UI designer, like where are those lines? Are they black and white? And then hiring those people, making sure the culture fit. We're a fully remote team. Is everyone okay with that? Um, and then being able to manage workload and workflow. So it it kind of just became another piece of the puzzle. So technically I have three products, Apple, Android, and web app, and it just became another one to manage. So but in this case, you had experience, right? You already have dealt yeah. with outsourcers. You knew what, I mean, you knew more about tank. Was it easy to hire the, I mean, the, the, the third team, the, the team of the, for the, for the web app, knowing all that, you know? Well, yeah, it was. So for example, I, um, I wanted it in-house. Okay. So I knew that I wanted the web team to be in-house and local. So I moved, um, we now have a team of developers in Brisbane and New Zealand. And oh, wow. yep. So they're there. And then I have, um, a AWS expert. I have one in this time zone and one in the American time zone. Cause I knew I wanted crossover from, from all time zones and just stuff like that. So I was very, I was way smarter. I was way more educated in what I needed and what I wanted and the mistakes that I've made and made just better decisions this time around. How different has it been to have your in-house team compared to outsourcing? I mean, tell me the, the experience. I mean, obviously you sit down with the developers and you, you see what they're doing. It must mm-hmm. be completely different than using Time Doctor, right? Oh uh, yeah, completely different. So sitting next to them, I mean, I travel up to Brisbane from Sydney quite a bit to hang out with them because they're so fun. Like we have a great culture at Plan. We tell jokes, I send them presents, we have cheese boards and um, we talk to each other in bitmojis all day. So we try and, you know, make the best of it. The difference I think is, uh, I mean, every country has their own cultural differences as well. So it's a language barrier. And then in a, with the Australian team, all native English speakers, it's not so much. That's such an important part, right? When you hire people in India versus the Philippines, it's a completely different approach, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the whole, Absolutely. from holidays, from the way you talk to them, from the way yeah. you... Is, is, is mind-blowing and that takes a bit of an emotional toll on you right yeah it does because I have to there's a lot of there was at the start there's a lot of hand-holding I'd say for about a year I'd have to work from 4 p.m until midnight hand-holding every decision every design every pixel because they'd put things in the wrong places because they were like oh it's done I'm like this is not done I gave you the design you're copying it to the letter there is no excuse this is how I work and it was about a year before they realized, like, I was, <laughs> that was oh, how she's I she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, she's crazy. And this is how she works. So I wouldn't let them put a build out had it not, um, if they had something, if they put aerial font in my app anywhere, I lost it. I was like, these are the only fonts you're allowed. These are the only colors you're allowed. This is it. If you are going to create your own error pop-up, no, it's going through me first. 
So <laughs> there's a lot of hand-holding at it's, the beginning. It's, it's those guidelines that are so important to give you peace of mind, especially when you have developers. Um, otherwise, I mean, they will take decisions that, I mean, because they presume that you are going to be okay with that. And in, yeah. in, in case because it's, it's your app and this app is so creative and it's for mm. entrepreneurs and for creative people, that was so important that reflects who you are, right? Yeah, it was. It was. It was just important. And I come from. I'm an artist background. I come from marketing, illustration background. So it it was important that I needed to be proud of it. I couldn't talk about and promote something that I wouldn't use myself. So it had to be like design friendly. And that's what the position our brand our branding positioning is. We're for you know people that are more creatively minded that want more of a creative spin that are super visual that don't want just a black and white ugly platform. They want something simplistic and beautiful. So it doesn't make sense to not have a product that does that. Um, so yeah, it's been, I mean, the, the differences between the two have been great. Like they, um, they, they talk a lot. We have heaps of, we have a call every day. We still do stand up. So, um, I mean, it's just part of the workflow now. Yeah, you're now, I mean, full on, I mean, in the startup world, I mean, every single day. Let's talk about the emotional part and the, the, the process because you, I mean, you were sick initially. So, I mean, yeah, for sure that's not, that's not easy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you go into this lovely adventure of app building, but also <laughs> stress, right? Let's talk about oh, the, yeah. the stress because the toll of spending this money, launching something and trying to figure out your way in the, in the app industry, mm-hmm. it can be an easy. So, can you can you tell us a little bit about how did you deal with the stress and the struggles that you were um, you were dealing with? I'm I'm one of those people that was naturally like, oh yeah, like I'm gung ho and I'm I'm always been a high achiever, like I've totally got this. And then when I realized I hadn't got this, I was already <laughs> six months <laughs> I was probably six months too late of realizing and the people around me had been trying to warn me, but I just didn't listen. I was like, No, this is this is what I'm doing and I kind of alienated everyone. I just was at home and I worked all the time. Um, but I started getting night terrors was the first indication that something wasn't right. So again, waking up screaming that I'd killed our dog when I don't have a dog. Um, oh my God. Okay. I, I'm an expert in night terrors. My son gets, oh my God. so yeah, I know exactly yeah. what, the, yeah. So like absolute, absolute fear. And then, um, you killed I, your dog when you don't have a dog. Okay. I don't have a dog. I was like, I've killed my dog. It's in the basement. I've been too busy. I forgot to feed it. Just stuff like that. Wow. It's almost um, like your brain was telling you that, I mean, you were forgetting about yourself, right? I mean, it yeah, was a little, yeah. Um, I was gaining weight. I wasn't eating properly. Um, I wasn't looking after myself. And all I did was work 24 seven. My husband was like, what are you doing to yourself? And like, I, he's like, you're basically killing yourself with this app. What are you doing? Um, and then the panic attacks started. And when I say that, I mean like three times a day panic attacks. And then I was like, okay, I don't have a handle on this. So I had to kind of take a step back. Um, and that happened. I actually, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was I didn't um, know how to set up my Amazon server architecture properly right in the early days and Amazon servers went down and I didn't realize that the developers had hard coded my IP address. Um, and sorry, for those who aren't that technical, what that means is when Amazon then reset their servers and we tried to reconnect, I just got a black screen of death for five days, six days before Apple would approve the new build and get it out. Oh and, it my happened, God. and it happened over a weekend that I was away at a wedding and I was the only customer support rep. So it just, it literally broke me because I was away. I couldn't do anything. I was at a wedding. I was the stylist at the wedding um, because we're a social media app. It went viral over social media about how this app's down, it's shit and to leave it um, crushed me. And the reputational damage to come back from that was really difficult. 
So my husband thankfully jumped in and he did customer support and kind of led the team through that while I slept because I ended up in an ambulance and in hospital with um, exhaustion. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, mental health wise, I did it the wrong way, but to be honest, um, I, I learned what my limit was and then I ne I've never gone back there. So I've got hobbies. I roller skate, I paint, I make time for myself. I don't work right before I go to bed and um, I actually ended up being medicated for panic attacks and in the last six months I've been able to come off that. So like life is now way better and when I see startup founders doing what I'm doing, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell you what not to do but like if you need help when it comes, like come to me. I, I, I find it fascinating that, I mean, I, I believe in kind of like science and, and yeah. like of life and I find it interesting that this happened to you when you were actually in the offline world, right? I mean, so you're in a wedding where you have to be present, okay, where it's all about being there for people and then the app goes down and mm. you can't do anything. It's like the universe telling you, guess what? I mean, you don't have control over these, <laughs> yeah. right? It's yeah. like, welcome to the next five days where nothing will change. And yeah, I mean, fascinating. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I love how you can actually reflect on those, um, on the panic attacks, on the struggles. I was talking to, um, to the founder of, of, of Two Space, um, um, mm, Tashi. Tashi. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we interview, and he was telling me that one of the most important things of his startup is the networking between founders so you yes. realize that you don't have your shit together okay oh, just, we all like it's not until you talk to someone you realize that you're all just making it up as you go along as well it's like oh wait you also have panic attacks yes i do oh great okay so yeah. i'm not the only one yeah yeah it's been i mean and that's why i'm, I'm able to talk about it so openly now is that I, at first i was ashamed and I just kind of put it under the table. But now I'm like, you know what? It is so normal. And I actually, I, and now I actually haven't met a founder who does not have some type of anxiety going on. Exactly. I mean, it's just interesting. I was the other day, I jumped in the car and I put like the Tim Ferriss podcast. And in a kind of way, I was exhausted because it was Tim Ferriss. He's always perfect. And he was talking about his, when he, I mean, his three attempts of suicide. And I was like, what? And yeah. I, I went into dive into, into his personal life. I realized, wait a second, people struggle every single time, even the, the super founders. And I wouldn't be surprised if the people that you admire right now, they went through depression and they also had their own, their own struggles. Mm -hmm. Tell me about, I mean, right now, the plans for you guys of world domination and how you're going to be tackling <laughs> that without telling well, secrets. Well, I have a massive, massive roadmap. I'm really excited about where we're going. And so is the team. Everyone's like super thrilled about it. Um, it is, I mean, I mean, every founder's going to say it, but it's a first for social media. Um, right now we're positioned as a scheduling app, but we'll be moving out of that positioning in the next six months into somewhere that you can go for the suite in the home of social media in general. Um, it'll be more helpful. So a lot of platforms out there just go, here's a scheduling tool, just figure it out. But we're more thoughtful than that. And we're going to be teaching you how to use it with the whole suite. I love it. I love the education part that you are introducing. I think that's super important because, yes, there's tools out there. But in a kind of way, I think it's so important to know the, the context of each platform, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go from Twitter to Instagram, they're both social media, but they're completely – I mean, it's completely yeah. – so, so what frustrates me the most about that is that platforms will let you upload images and then schedule it across all platforms at the same time. And I'm like, just what? Just if you could just educate people that that is just the worst thing that you could do. It's so artificial, right? <laughs> they, and you can they, tell they don't care. They just want the, the users' money. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to educate you to have a successful business. 
and it, it, can, it, can, it can backfire. And it's interesting. I actually lost a client doing social media management mm. because we, put, we, we automatically posted a, a joke on LinkedIn. It was supposed to go on Twitter or was supposed to go somewhere, right? Or it was like, mm. a, like, a, like a funny quote and it went on the completely wrong platform because in a kind of way, we just click on all the checklists of where to post this and spread it around um, different platforms. Yeah. Fascinating. Now, before I let you go, um, I want you to plug, I mean, the app. Tell us where we can actually find it. Um, and if people <laughs> are looking for information more about you, I mean, where they can find more information. Definitely. So I would, uh, I would love, I'm an obsessed founder and I'd love you to check out our brand new web app. It is planthat.com. So P-L-A-N-N-T-H-A-T.com. Sign up for your free trial, download the app and get scheduling uh, all your social media for Instagram. And then for me personally, I am at Christy Lady Lawrence on Instagram. Fantastic. And your Instagram is one of those Instagrams that I go, huh, I want your life. It's so cool. It's so pretty. <laughs> I, I get judged quite harshly, Gab. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's a, the, the, the whole Instagram is like, oh, okay. Oh, it's really perfect. funny though because Instagrams have become work for me, right? Completely. So it's uh, When I post, it's because I'm, I'm testing a new filter or a new border or a new something where the, the notifications are working. So I, I just have to make it look good as I do it. It's your office. Before I let you go, I want to ask you, do you have any productivity, I mean, strategy that you're using right now? I heard that you're waking up at five, 5 in the morning. Okay. That's correct. Tell me how you are arranging your day because I'm completely hooked at the whole idea of knowing how people arrange their day nowadays. Yeah, I know. So what you have to do is really understand how you work as a human. So I wake up and I'm the most creative first thing in the morning. So I don't have slack on. I get up and I do all the things uh, that require my creative energy and creative brain with no interruptions. Um, And then I might take a break early in the morning. Um, The team come online and I'll do the analytics stuff. So as director of product, I want to know the conversion rates of the different metrics of the funnel, of the different tests that we're running, if our website's converting users. So I'm looking at all of the metrics and data. And then after that, oh my God, I'm fried. (laughs) So I have team catch-ups as CEO. So I want to chat with my team and hear how they're doing, what they're working on. So I'll like choose different people to call, make sure they're okay. Um, And then in the evenings, it's like all about the app. And yeah, it's, um, I, between, I have to admit though, between like three and five or 6 PM, I am useless. I'm <laughs> completely and utterly useless. I'm watching. Can, can we, can we confess that you just said that before the podcast? You said like, you say, I'm uh, going to struggle right now. <laughs> yeah, I did because it's 4.30. So for me between three and six, I'm like, what can I do that doesn't require me to have to think intensively? So I'll book podcasts, hi Gab, <laughs> I'll, book pod- I'll book podcasts or chats with friends or just something that, you know, brings me energy again or I'd sit and watch YouTube. But actually, but that's so important to be able to understand how your brain works and when is yeah. the time where you're not going to be productive versus, I mean, keep hammering and, and burning yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's, um, that's roughly how I work. But I mean, I'm one of those people that hates routine. So I will just mix it up. Okay, love it. So I'm so grateful you were here and I love your story. It has been Thank such you. a pleasure to, I mean, I mean, to see you from, from moments of, oh my God, what's going on to, <laughs> hey, now I'm, I'm roller skating. So I think it's always nicer to, 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 oh, to have that, that difference. I'm completely hooked on my roller skating now. That's awesome. Maybe that's the secret for app building. Just roller <laughs> skate more. So nice to hear from you again. Thanks Thank for you so much, Chrissy. Have a okay. good time. Okay, bye. Bye.
And that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This was show number 12 with Christy Lady Lawrence. So excited, so inspirational to actually have these awesome entrepreneurs and startup founders here at the show. And if you enjoy the show, if you like the podcast, if you want to show your support, why not go to iTunes and just leave a quick review? I'll be reading very soon some of the awesome reviews that I'm already getting after just a few weeks of launching the show. So thank you so much, and I will see you tomorrow. Hopefully, I will not see you, but you will listen to me with a quickie show and obviously another great interview very soon here at Startup Founders. See ya.